Welcome, welcome, welcome to another week of the Base Training Podcast. This week we are going to be answering the question of are you training for health and wellness or fitness and performance? And we believe that understanding this allows you to create great intent and great alignment within your training program. And it, it really does aid you in actually reaching your goals and then deciding what goals um are relevant to you in the first place and are achievable for you. Um, as always, I'm here, well, not as always, I'm here with Will and Stefan. Sometimes one of us isn't here, so it's not always like that. Um, and as always, we're going to quickly tell you where we you can find us. I'll start off. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Lee Carter UK. You can email me, Lee at base.training, and you can find more information about base.training at www.base.training and email info at base.training. Stefan, where can everyone find you? So you can find me on Instagram, it's coach underscore Stefan underscore Winder. Find me on LinkedIn, Stefan Winder MSC. You can find me on Facebook, Stefan Winder Strength and Movement Coach. And you can hit me up on email, Stefan at base.training. William, hit us. Um, so I'm on Instagram, coach underscore un- Coach underscore Will underscore Shafty. Jesus, wow, bad. Um, Facebook, uh, Will Shafty, Health and Fitness Coach, and LinkedIn, Will Shafty. So, like I said, we're going to be answering the question of are you training for health and wellness or fitness and sport? Um, As always, I think it's probably good to define some of this. And uh, I'm I'm going to take one. I'm going to take... Take one for the team, instead of lumping it onto Will and Stefan. So I'm going to go for (laughs) health and wellness. Um, I'd describe, especially the wellness part, as the absence of sensations you don't like would be a uh, a form of wellness. And that health part is a bit more encompassing in terms of a lifestyle and nutrition and training or movement plan that supports longevity um, fulfillment and I suppose enjoyment for the rest of your life um, agree with that guys or disagree or anything to add yeah I think uh, that's about the main part for health is just about the absence of disease and, and pain and like you said sensations you don't like who wants to take the performance and fitness one I say Stefan because you've also participated in a high level of sport for your country. Depends if you class Wales. You know what you know what it takes. Depends if you class Wales as a country though, doesn't it? I mean <laughs> Well, just some like little little place, yeah. little village. A bit more like a bit more like a county. It's like kinda of like Kent. Yeah. <laughs> Similar size. Um People only go there if they can't make it in England, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's kind of you're training to become better, more proficient at skills and movements that you may be doing at the health and fitness stage. But the only difference would really be that the practices that you carry out could potentially have setbacks. There's a higher risk. It's kind of like a higher risk, higher reward. So, the intensity of training is far higher. The complexity of movements may be a lot more difficult. For example, if you're training to be an Olympic weightlifter, 
those movements are highly complex, therefore there's a higher risk of injury, um, especially with the intensity and the speed of the movements that are being performed. Um, uh, so discomfort is quite common at that level. And uh, also you kind of flirt in between, like we were saying before we came on, between vitality and sickness. It's like that, that little cycle where you go from sickness, wellness, performance, and it's all very like closely linked together. It's kind of like a, a, a flowing chart. Uh, so you're constantly flirting on that line because your body's you're demanding so much from your central nervous system on a constant basis that you're training when depleted a lot of the time. So yes, there can be some really good progression there. So like I said, high risk, high reward. But it's a... Uh, that higher risk also is inherently dangerous because of sickness and injury. I think I covered it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the, the intent is there, isn't it? Your intent is to go out and eat full for breakfast. Like that is the athletic training to win intent. You never hear a um, like a gold medalist saying, "Yeah, I kind of want to win today." <laughs> I think I might. I think I might do it. I'm not too sure that. They they really want to win. It's all they think about. It's all they do. It's all they train for. Um, and they express that by like, elite performances. Um, and they're training to win. It's important to, I think, I've done an Instagram post a while ago about the, like, the hierarchy of long-term athletic development and training to win being at the top of that. And I think if only once you're, you've reached that, I suppose, are you an athlete when you're in that position when you're really training to win um, outside of that you're just competing um, and then below that you're just participating at that point and that's more about recreational uh, um, recreational sport and performance which we're actually going to talk about um, but health and longevity we'll kind of circle back to that how does that how have you seen that look for someone, like what sort of the characteristics that you see for someone that's training for health and performance, and what do you propose to clients that ask you to help them get healthier? Who wants to take that one? I mean, I mean, so we're talking about a health and fitness client. You're talking about what a program would look like, or just like an overall guideline. Well, I think it's important to. Uh, like help define this because it's so mixed up performance is so mixed up in health in especially in the fitness industry these days it's, it's extremely confusing people don't know what health is anymore people be especially with the age of instagram and facebook and um an elite performance being everywhere I, I really think that the general population are believing that to be healthy is to be like Cristiano Ronaldo. Like that's the sort of performance metrics that they should be achieving. Um, maybe slightly, maybe relative to the person, but that's the kind of ideal that they're, they're striving for. But what they don't consider is that Cristiano Ronaldo has a team of physiotherapists. He has access to the best recovery equipment in the world. He trains once to twice a day. Like, He's got the best sleeping, like the best mattress in the world. Like he's got all of this stuff that people just don't have. Doesn't have a family that I know of um, to look after. And, so, and even if he did, he could probably pay someone else to do that because <laughs> um, he's loaded. Uh, whereas the 
average day-to-day person, the gen pop, has a potentially stressful job where they're working 40 hours a week, maybe for just above minimum wage or for a half-decent wage where they've got to support a couple of kids, a mortgage and a wife, maybe an elderly parent or something, Um, and they're trying to train on top of that and be healthy so they can live a long life. So that's where I was heading with it. What's your thoughts on that? So, like like we were saying at the start, it's all about keeping that person out of pain and injury and discomfort. So, without that, so you're basically absent from that intent of intent of it. No, in, intensity. That's what I was going. To say. That's, that's where I was going with it. Um, so the practices that you implement with that person, whether it's nutrition-based, whether it's lifestyle-based, or whether it's movement-based, are low in complexity. Um, They're very minimal. Uh, It's what we call minimal effective dose, right? So you're giving that person the smallest finite detail that they need to get as much output as possible and as much improvement as possible. It's not their job to be fit and healthy they're doing it in order to perform their job better in order to support their family and do all the other stuff that they enjoy doing uh it's trying to keep them fit and healthy for those things so uh we're not trying to chastise them with really intense training every day that they end up regretting and getting injured from they just want to go feel a bit better and leave the gym feeling better than they did when they entered it so yeah, it's like for me when I'm doing track, with regards to the training, it's kind of for general health, it's always a lot more volume based in their movement patterns. Um, I always encompass the fine, five main competencies of upper body push, upper body pull, uh, a squat variation, and a hip hinge, whether that's bilateral or unilateral, depending on that person's needs, and core and bracing work always. Um, and it's always higher volume, low intensity in terms of the training. Um, what about you, Will? Um, so, yeah, I'd say very similar to, to obviously what, what you do. Um, I think what's quite important to say, especially for people listening, is that if you're training for health and wellness, generally that, that population group are highly stressed. Um, they don't know it, but they don't recover perfectly every day. Um, and what we're not trying to do is add more stress into their system. So we're not getting them to go to the gym, like I said, to chastise them with intense work they can't recover from. Is Why would we want to add more stress to a system that's already stressed that can't recover from the stress it's already caught? Because eventually that, that will, you will go downhill very quickly. Um, so like we're, we're getting them to, to train to be able to thrive rather than like get buried every day with their daily tasks. So they should train, feel good, not add more stress to their system. Like I said, leave the gym feeling good, not terrible. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's the the great thing about exercise. If done right, if dosed correctly, it can create EU stress, good U stress, which is good stress, as opposed to distress, which can cause you to adapt and improve. Um, but it has to be dosed correctly. And like I said, if you're going in to get buried every day, like you can't um, go and destroy a building every day or destroy your body every day and expect to add a couple of levels to it each week. Like it just doesn't happen. You can't bury yourself into the... Like it's taking 
three steps back, one step forwards, like uh, the two step back, one step forward thing, you will end up going forward at some point, but three steps back, you're just going to keep going backwards. And I think that's the, the great thing about exercise is it can be used to add a little bit of stress to the system, which changes things positively. Add too much, which is that minimum effective dose idea, um, as opposed to the max effective dose. But I think considering that health and wellness is really about um, longevity, sustainability has to be in there. So if you're walking out of the gym every day using um, what Stefan said, feeling worse than you came in, like you've just been beaten into the ground and you just feel absolutely knackered and that's a daily occurrence because you can move and train daily. There's no reason why you can't do that. Um, then... <laughs> That is not sustainable. It's actually at odds with that. It's, um, it's the opposite. It's unsustainable. And you're not going to be able to do that for the rest of your life, which is going to lead you to fall, dropping out of training altogether, most likely, and uh, or just misusing it. You're essentially misusing a drug here. It is it's what it is, isn't it? Like, the dose-response idea is taken from medicine. Exercise is medicine. Uh, it can be used as such. And just like you would with antibiotics, you're not going to go and just go, oh, the doctor says, OK, here's a course of antibiotics for two weeks. You go, cool, and smash them all in one day. Right, next, give me some more. Give me some more, doc. Let's see what happens tomorrow. It just doesn't happen like that. You go, no, you're cautious about it. You take one and you do that for two weeks and you go back to the doctor's, cool, is the cough gone? No. OK, well, let's maybe up the dose a tiny bit. Now you're going to take a slightly uh, bigger dose each day. Again, you don't go and smash it each time. It's sustainable and it's a sustainable increase. And that's what happens over time with health and wellness is that if you start at a really low level and let's say you're out, you're in, you're in pain, you're sickly, you're at the lower end of health and wellness. And we bring you up to this point where you're out of pain day to day. You're not absence of disease and sensations that you don't like. Eventually, you will move forwards towards that health and uh, that fitness and performance idea again then it's finding that sweet spot of vitality for the person and then understanding how to sustain that which means one at the start you might be squatting to a box by the end of it or i say by the end of it 10 years down the line you might be back squatting double body weight and that's that's healthy for you that might be the case um Again, it's got to be individualised, but it's got to be sustainable. I think sustainability is a key word there. When you say about like, sustainability, like people have taken it upon themselves to make it not sustainable. And obviously, like gyms, marketing things, because like, I think it's the government guidelines. It's 30 minutes, five times a week of low to moderate intensity. So people will be like, ah, F that, we'll just go with high intensity instead. Yeah. F what the scientists and things are saying. They don't know what they're talking about. Like people are telling you how to do it and now you've just gone way past that done it your own way and now you're thinking oh, actually it's not quite working is it it wasn't sustainable it didn't help it was too hard like people have been telling you for years so you just haven't listened and we had a little bit of conversation about this didn't we uh, maybe last week about it's not it's not um, admirable to live a healthy life anymore it's not it's not exciting enough. I am, um, yeah. Um, like 
you have to be constantly achieving something. That's what like that to be excited and to be uh, to be fulfilled and these days like you have to be constantly pushing the boundaries and the the rise of the I suppose the ex Navy SEAL or the ex military person like the SAS who dares wins you got to thrash yourself to really grow anywhere well I'm not sure you do like you got to thrash yourself if you want to be in the Navy SEALs yes <laughs> but again that's moving into performance and fitness um, I, the question to ask yourself is that are you like healthy and thriving now yes cool are you pushing the the boundary of what you can do okay no if not then in when you're 75 80 years old you will be healthy very well mobile and thriving and living a good life like people that push their boundaries won't but that's like you're working and busy now. Like when you retire, you'll be able to enjoy your life more if you look after yourself. Yeah. yeah. But people don't want to see forty years in the future; they want to see four minutes in the future. Kind of, we're set up for that, really, aren't we? I just I had this conversation a little bit yesterday. We're set up, we're set up for short-term gains. Like a couple thousand years ago, when we were living in caves, we weren't thinking, like, what am I going to be when I'm older? <laughs> what 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 trade am I going to be? Um, Am I going to be married? All that sort of stuff. We were thinking, right, where's my next meal coming from? Let's let's try and not get eaten by a, a woolly mammoth today or a tiger or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the goal, just to stay alive. Whereas now it's um, we've got modern medicine and we've got really comfortable lives. The lifespan has increased, like it's doubled the average lifespan from a couple of thousand years ago, and. Now we can actually, we can see further into the future, but yet we, it's kind of going against our biology a little bit. And we don't really want that because, what, 45 years old was kind of an average male uh, in like medieval times. Average, that was up, that was classed as old. If you live past that, you were ancient. Yeah. And, uh, and that's like, if you lived your life properly, 45 can be very young. Hmm. Exactly. Stephanie, you look like you had something to say. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, when um, when you were talking, we were t- saying about pushing boundaries. Um, and like, if you push your boundaries, you kind of, you don't live to the extent that you possibly could do. You don't have that longevity. Could there be an argument that if you don't push your boundaries, you don't adapt? And if you don't adapt, you don't progress? Yeah, so that's like a, a fine line, isn't it? When you talk about like physiology, like you have to um, apply the right amount of stress for adaption. Well, I mean, it's like let's say you've got a forty-five-year-old lawyer. She's the head of the company, and she, all she's doing at weekends is running half marathons. Like she's pushing her physical boundaries and what she could do, and like in a bad way. That's what I meant. I probably should have clarified. Like people that are always looking for like, that instant kind of satisfaction from severe fitness events and things like people that do that what well, you could probably say they're not going to be that healthy in a few years but in terms of yes you have to obviously push a boundary for physical adaptation yeah. i think sweet. rugby and uh 
NFL, like contact sports, is a good example of of it. Like, uh, especially NFL, we got ex pros dying at like 50, 60 years old due to all the concussions that they've had, and boxers and things like that. Look, like if you look at them, none of them are really Muhammad Ali, for instance, Parkinson's. Like you could probably safely say that boxing had a lot to do with that. Um, getting punched in the face, like that's a, a, obviously at a much lower level. That's what I think people that have misalignment in their training are doing to themselves. They're not they're figuratively walking in and just bashing their head against the wall whilst doing whilst really trying to express intense training. And I think understanding the intent and what I generally see is that people that are in that phase they kind of pseudo put exercise and training as their priority that makes sense and it's and it moves away from um uh support in their life to it be in their life i've been i'm, I'm there myself I've, I've always been there so i'm kind of the uh, i suppose a bit of a bit hypocritical here um i've definitely i once or twice i think i've trained for health and i felt great <laughs> i definitely felt amazing and i i actually miss it i'd love to go back to that but i'm a bit of an addict so um but i think understanding that allows you to progress if you want to want performance it allows you to achieve performance if you don't understand it you'll never get to that performance it'll actually um create a lot of problems and those that tend to reorder their priorities and see fitness and um or exercise training as a vehicle to support to live a long healthy life support their family and uh, and feel healthy and move well and be able to do the things that they kind of want to do without many limitations generally tend to have more success and they're the ones that are more consistent they're generally the ones that just kind of step back and go yeah i'm just gonna do it i've got a couple of clients like that and i've got a couple of clients who aren't and they just step back and it's like, yeah, I'm just going to day to day, I'm just going to get it done, I'm going to get my program done, I'm going to do what's necessary to um, support my life. And they then find that they enjoy the stuff that they do outside when they get a chance to use their fitness more. And things just click at that point, and it's, it's great to see because it makes for a really easy client. <laughs> yeah, what what doesn't help in this in that is that obviously. There's a lot in the fitness industry that's not necessarily performance-based, but it's like fitness and performance-based uh, methodologies and classes that are marketed as health-based. Yeah. So people are going to the gym every day, smashing themselves, thinking, oh, this is a health program that I'm on. Nope. What's an example of it's that? It's just been... <laughs> Cross up. <laughs> Classic, yeah. Yeah. And things like you're going and they're doing grit. It's called grit. You think it's going to be pleasant? Yeah, blame. It's in the name. Heat. Yeah. <laughs> you don't go and do grit, which is sounds like dirt and pain, like, and think you're getting healthier. Yeah. Like the clue's in the name. Yeah. But they're marketed as, oh, you'll get healthier and lose body fat. <clears throat> oh, these are all the things I want, but I don't want the pain. The, the ironic thing is a lot of people can't actually express what the class is trying to express. But the, so in, a, in a good way, mm. like they can't express the intensity that 
luckily, it's bad for them. Yeah, luckily that they can't. But it's it's the it's the uh, it's that it's just at an intensity and volume high enough that if they do it over and over and over again, day out, day in, day out, eventually they start to see a problem and they they eventually are able to express it. Yeah, but the the point is that you there's I imagine there's millions of people that are misled and if you don't know what you're training for like if your program is the intent is health and wellness or fitness and performance if you don't know you're probably just going to believe it's health because people don't know the difference between health and fitness in the sense we're talking about so what would you say to a client who really enjoys that aspect of things they really enjoy like absolutely smashing themselves. I'm like we've all had a client like that or two who's a we've tried to shift from that mentality who's just loves turning up, has had a stressful day and sees it as stress relief. And really that what they're doing is the opposite, going back to your point earlier, Will, where they're absolutely making them putting themselves in a worse worse position because we're adding more stress to the system. So what would you say to a client who loves turning up smashing themselves with high intensity but considers that that is the best thing for them they think that is their health how would you kind of negotiate to track that transition so the key is what you said like they they think it's right um so that comes down to a conversation you have to educate them around the, the health ramifications of what they're doing and the other methods are available to them that would potentially be better for them because um, I think once people realise what they're doing isn't working once they've been told by someone that knows what they're talking about you can back it up with science if you need to like, they might be like oh actually I, I see I, I see that I see what you're talking about I see in my life I'm always ill I'm, this is always going wrong and like, you're like ah that's probably why so like, yeah. if in that situation I'm just going to educate them around the, the disadvantages of what they're doing I think it's if they understand the posit the pros and cons of what they're doing, go for it. Like if that's what they really want to do, but understand that let's say you want to smash yourself every day, perfectly fine with you doing that. But understand that that's not going to lead to health. So you either need to adjust your goals and your priorities, or you need to adjust your behaviours. One of the two, right? Because if, if your goal is to be healthy smashing yourself every day yes although it might be enjoyable isn't congruent with long-term health but if your goal is to go it's just to enjoy training and it's not necessarily about health and maybe actually you do have some aspirations of competition maybe most likely you're in public as a general population person you're you're not going to get into a position where um, you can win at those competitions let's use crossfit as an example or rugby or whatever um but you understand that that's what you're training for and you can have a more alignment there which creates better intent you creates better focus it creates a better sense of fulfillment uh, but again as you move towards especially if you move towards the performance side the risk becomes higher so your risk of unfulfillment becomes higher so if you don't hit that goal a lot of the time people are like well what have i just trained for it's been a waste of time an absolute waste of time I could, I could have just been working towards that promotion which in 10 years would have helped me buy another house which in 20 years would allow me to retire 10 years early 
and yet that they, they've just um, trained for this endeavor that has proved not fruitful because they realized that once they got out of their small pond into the sea of athletes that are out there to bite your head off that are really training for this and they make it their priority they they're working a minimum wage job in tesco's for <laughs> five five ten hours a week just to support their training lifestyle and well, we've seen we saw that um when you had the gyms there's people who are like very very fit relative to everyone else in the gym step out into the bigger open world of other competitions and they hated it yeah. they didn't go back they'd done one didn't do very well didn't go back because like, they they didn't understand what they were getting into I think also sometimes you need to safely lead someone to to a crash like if, if they really really like after education and conversation just still can't get it for some reason one that's the coach needs to adjust the way they're putting it across maybe but at the same time they might just need to lead that person to a a health crash whether that's an in, an injury or a burnout safely for them to go actually oh yeah i see what you mean now I see what you're saying and then it's a process of okay well let's what do we do about this um how do we go about this and or, or even just leading people towards that i've been i've burnt out in training a couple of times um, so I know exactly what it feels like when I start moving towards there. But I do know that at that just before that point, I'm performing the best I've ever performed. I'm lifting big weights. <laughs> and so it's a trade-off. If you understand it, again, you can have better intent and better alignment. But if someone comes in, you, in for, to you and says, I want to be healthy and I uh, want to live long, a long life, I want to do, I want to perform really well at my job, so cognitive, improved cognitive functions, um, less brain fog, all that sort of stuff. And they're doing high-intensity training every day, and you educate them, and they go, oh, I didn't realise that. Then again, it's another conversation about, okay, well, what do you want? Are you happy with that? Are you happy that that's potentially leading you away from where you want to be and uh, hindering your progress in your goals or towards your goals? If they are, crack on. Like, safe, like, try and safely as a coach add intensity into their training. and But they, they understand it. They understand the consequences uh, because they enjoy it. But if not, they like actually know this is much more important to me. And go, okay, well, this is the, I suppose, sacrifice. We're going to have to find enjoyment somewhere else in your in your life. Um, yeah, as a coach, like from the situation Stefan brought up, if you don't educate them around it, and you don't warn them of the consequences. When they get there, they could just blame you. Like, oh, you didn't tell me this was going to happen. <laughs> if you have the conversation, like, if you do this, this can happen. Yeah. And I'm telling you now, if it happens and, and you don't get there and you don't enjoy it, we're not going to do it again. Because yeah. then when you get to that point, they go, oh, you did tell me, uh, we won't do that again. I'll listen to you in the future. Yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah. as a co- again, as a, from a coach perspective, you you end up, if, even from a client perspective, you end up just dancing around with your coach. Like they give you training to do, and you're like, yeah, I'm not really going to do that. So well, what, you're paying a lot of money for it, and like you end up from a client's coach's perspective, you you end up dancing around with your client. You don't really believe in it because you have a set of values that you have to get across. That's why they're paying you money because for some reason your values and the information you put out there has clicked with them for some reason. For some reason they think you can help them. 
uh, get to where they want to be. So if they come to you saying, I want to improve performance, at some point you've talked about improving performance and saying that's what you do, that's what you potentially specialise in. Um, if you never talk about that, you don't get those clients. Again, from a client perspective, if you want performance, you're going to go to a coach that talks about performance. And um, again, with a couple of clients I've had in the past that want performance, but actually, or their goal is performance, but their lifestyle doesn't support that. I've had to say to them, look, because right? I, I don't necessarily want to coach that. I don't want to dance around with a client like that that has this coach that has this goal of um, I want to go. I want to go to the world championships. I want to go to the CrossFit Games. So okay, well, what's it going to take to get there? Cool, we've got a three-year plan to get there. This is what I need your life to look like to help you do that. You need to drop back on your work, but like you can't be working 10 hours a day because you've got to train for five to six hours a day. Your food needs to be better. Your sleep needs to be better. You can't go out. You can't be going out on the piss every weekend. And they don't do that. And then you're like, OK, well, obviously, this isn't your goal. And that's fine. But you just need to understand that. Stop lying to yourself. And or lying to everyone else saying, yeah, I'm, I'm going to the games or I'm going to the World Championships. No, you're not. <laughs> or by something. Obviously, there's the outliers that probably do get there at that point. <laughs> get there still drunk. Um, but in most cases, like you're not going to get there. You're only going to lead yourself to burnout before that. And uh, <clears throat> working with those clients is tough, especially with like, that misalignment. But when there is a true alignment, it's it's great. It's actually uh, it's enjoyable to coach, no matter what they're in. Yeah, so like on the subject of fitness and performance, like what they have to be very clear on is that are they doing it just to just to do that event or whatever and participate in it, and just to say they've done it, or are they seriously thinking about winning that event? Because if they're seriously thinking about winning it and their lifestyle doesn't support it, you're not going to reach your max performance yeah. I think it's important to I suppose clarify for those listening what we're about in terms of um, we are we do lean towards the health and wellness side of exercise and training although we can support people that want fitness and performance but what we're going to do at the front end is really make sure what you ask for is what you what you want and then we're going to educate you slowly and it might be a slow process to go okay to to allow you to align your lifestyle and nutrition to support your training um, or the other way around your training to support your lifestyle and nutrition um, and that's i think that that's important to clarify for those that are potentially considering us as a, a coaching platform but we talked a lot about health and health and wellness and we mix it up a little bit of fitness fitness and performance I think we should kind of move into fitness and performance and kind of clarify what that looks like a bit more in depth. Um, Stefan, since your uh, degree was in rugby, which is, I suppose, leading towards the performance realm, why don't you kind of start us off on that? Uh, talked about yeah. minimum, minimum effective dose for health. Why don't you talk about the yeah. max effective dose for performance? So when we talk about performance, we're talking about someone who's potentially got quite a significant training age already. Um, they've got a prerequisite level of strength, speed, power, technical competency, 
nutrition and lifestyle practices. So someone who's been exposed to these things for a prolonged period of time, because you can't get to that level without having these things in place. It's just, like you said, there's a few outliers. There's a, a few people that are incredibly robust that will just thrive regardless of their situations, which is, you know, unfair on a lot of people. <laughs> but um, these these people have all of those things. They're, they are athletes. And that a lot of the time you could put them into most sports and they'll still be able be pretty good uh, because they've got all of these things in place. So um, if we're talking about programming for this kind of person, it's shifting from just going through the motions of just reinforcing good technique and uh, good technical competency to actually start to push those skills to see at what point that person can get more adaptation because the, the higher your training age, the smaller adaptation comes. So if you're giving the minimum effective dose, they, they don't adapt as often as someone that's just starting out, someone who's training for health. But if they if they are if they're tri- like really wanting to actually get to that top level, we're gonna have to really ramp up that intensity in order to get adaptation because they have got so robust at that point their their cells and their tissues and their their organs have got are so used to adapting to specific environments that now you have to take them further away from that homeostasis in order to get adaptation. So training has become more intense. It has become more complex. Uh, nutrition lifestyle has to be, what's the word? It has to be redeveloped and re-engineered in order to support the training that they're doing. And it's uncomfortable for a lot of people because we're not designed necessarily to perform at high intensity all the time like like you said like we always say in fact high intensity by definition is not sustainable and we use the word sustainable a lot and training for fitness and performance is not that it's training unsustainably at regular intervals and it's so it's (laughs) you're not necessarily recovering fully from each session and then you're then performing another intense session being rigorous in your training whilst in a depleted state and that increases fatigue it increases tiredness and it puts your body and tissues and just your overall capacity for work at a, at a decline and it's just going to expose that person to sickness and illness more often than not like you hear stories all the time of when olympic athletes get to the olympic village and everyone just gets ill straight away because one person or one coach is ill and their immune systems are so depleted at that point because they've been working so hard to get to where they are that their immune systems just cannot cope with that slight fraction of an increase in stress. So everyone gets ill as soon as they get to the Olympic village and it just spreads like the plague. <laughs> and it's and it's not going to allow those athletes to thrive. And quite often we've seen a lot of the top guys who are favourites in competition because they've got that that bit of illness in their system, they actually don't compete to the standard they're expected to and they don't win. And and that's not a nice place to be. Um, so a lot of people who say that they enjoy high-level sport are tapped in the head. <laughs> they, uh, they're people who enjoy putting themselves in pain and in a position to be exposed to illness and discomfort because... I mean, you can see, you can YouTube it. You can look at videos of Chris Hoy and his training before he won, you know, back-to-back gold medals at two different Olympics and three events. You see him literally training to the point of passing out and it's like physical exhaustion and vomiting and like 
no one wants to do that. Like, if you do enjoy that, then you're not you're not well mentally. Like, you need to see someone about that because that's that's not what we're designed for. We're designed to be very aerobic. That's why we use oxygen as our prime fuel source. Like to for our metabolisms, we use oxygen. We don't use carbon dioxide. So there's a reason for that, and that's because we're designed to be low-level, low-intensity organisms. We're not designed to be high-intensity, max-effort organisms. In short spells, yes, but for prolonged periods of time, no. So, yeah, uh, I kind of beat around the bush about that one, but that's kind of what high-intensity... Well, that's what high-performance is to me and what performance and fitness training would look like. Yeah, I've just just made two notes about exposure exposure to discomfort. And what it reminds me is I watched a, uh, actually quite recently, about the GB rowing team at the moment. I think they're in Spain or something like that, up in the mountains, uh, an uh, an altitude training camp for two weeks. And the training they go through is, like, ridiculous. And they're interviewing people and they're crying in the interviews. You've got, like, six foot seven blokes, like, 120 kilo blokes crying their eyes out. When they're like, okay, how much does winning mean to you? How much does this, tra- how much does this training hurt? And they're crying. They're like, it really hurts. <laughs> right. But the the winning and the, the the satisfaction of getting a gold medal at the Olympics means more to them, or that it means so much to them that they're willing to go through ex- and expose themselves to extreme levels of discomfort because they have to at this point to get the adaptation to win that boat race by 0.1 of a second that takes extreme levels of discomfort and exposure and uh they obviously don't enjoy it (laughs) like for them there are a few people that obviously do it sadistic and do enjoy it but the majority of them like i said they're crying they don't like putting themselves in that position um because it means sacrifice it means sacrifice one to your health um and i'm going to talk a little bit about in a second and your longevity, it means sacrifice to your family life. A lot of them have to go away for two or three weeks at a time, uh, training, they have to miss weddings and funerals and parties and birthdays and all that sort of stuff that are meaningful to a lot of people. Um, they have to sacrifice not like fun foods, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah. um, to sit on a rowing machine, to row three sets of 500 back-to-back at a 70% uh, oxygen level. Like, that is not fun. Like, their eyes are rolled... They're, they're in the, they finish off their row on one eclipse, and the guy drops the handle, and his eyes roll back in, into his head, and he can't get his legs out of the straps. He's got, like, three or four people holding him up, and he's got people lifting his legs out. And then he just flops onto the floor, and they put him into the recovery position. <laughs> That's how screwed that guy is. He's passed out. Um, and I think yes that's admirable but you need to understand that they're not training for potentially what you're training for most likely they're not training for that they're, like, they're not training for health and I think gymnastics is a good example of early to peak is you get like 16, 17, 18 year olds like Simone Biles is classified as kind of at the end of her career now <laughs> <laughs> but she, I think she's like 23, 24. Um, and what you generally tend to see, especially in judo as well, is afterwards they tend to put on weight um, and then for the rest of their life, everyone probably knows that person in their life that is 
probably overweight, probably close to obese, that was a gymnast or a high-performing athlete when they were younger, in their like late teens, early 20s. And uh, that's what it potentially leads to because of the because of the extreme high that you have, you have a fast decline to an extreme low. Whereas someone for training for health isn't looking to peak at 25 to 30. They're looking to peak at 45 to 50. But obviously the peak and the performance output is going to be lower. But they're, they're on an optimal decline at that point, whereas someone who peaks too early falls off of that optimal decline earlier. Does that make sense? I think it does. Yes, you have a higher peak, but then it doesn't last as long if yeah. you're training for performance. Exactly. If you're training for health, you have a slightly lower peak, but it's more of a gradual incline and a gradual decline. Yeah. yeah. So I think, really, I suppose to sum it up for elite performance, there's got to be true intent there. You've got to be, if you really want performance, you've got to be training to win. Maybe you will never win, but as if you're training to for it, and you've got the intent there, you've got the mindset, um, <clears throat> you've got to understand that the risk and reward uh, ratio is high. Like you are, you are working with that maximum effective dose, and there is a chance to overdose on exercise, and you can do that. Um, believe it or not, obviously people think you can just exercise and exercise and exercise, and you'll continually get better. No, it's not the case. You can overdose on it. And everyone in the CrossFit world has heard of rhabdo. Um, like most people have heard of that, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> um, you hear people dying in marathons and all that sort of stuff. You got to be willing to, uh, and you got really, you got to be really, will, really willing to expose yourself to ex- extreme levels of discomfort for pretty, uh, I suppose, relatively to the uh, effort level. For long periods of time like two weeks uh, exposed level of discomfort is or a uh, high level of discomfort discomfort is a long time and meant that's why um like these military uh shows nine days i think it is like mm. that's for an for average person who's training for health which most of these people are on this show on the, the SS Who Dares Win show. I've been watching it for the first time this year. <laughs> and uh, I've never watched it before. And uh, yeah, they're, they're not training for health and performance or for fitness and performance. They're health athletes, I suppose, or training for health. And they're trying to, to fulfill an athletic endeavour. That's why it's only nine days long. Whereas the actual selection process is just over six months long. And that's the, that's the difference between the athlete and the <coughs> recreational participant. But like Stefan said, like, you're training unsustainably, uh, by definition, for uh, over and over again. And you said, obviously, like you have high exposure to discomfort. That's why an elite athlete's career is 10 to 15 years yeah. at most, which is like less than a quarter of their life. Yeah. If you follow a, a health and wellness program, are you just going to stop after 15 years? No, it'll still be pretty easy at that point. You could probably do that for another 40 years. Yeah. Well, their career is so short because it is so hard and it's like it, the point where it's almost impossible to maintain for longer. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's why they stop. Yeah. I, I always find it ironic when people, when you see the, the, the news clip of like the 92-year-old who's still bodybuilding, like mm. still doing gymnastics and all that sort of stuff. And they're still moving about and people go, oh, I wish I'm like that when I'm 92. 
but yet their training at the moment is extreme intensities. They're in a calorie deficit. <laughs> they're training for aesthetics and performance. It is completely at odds with that goal of being 92 years old and still bodybuilding, like still moving. It's completely at odds with that. And I think it's it's unintentional ignorance. Um, and there, there's, a, there's a massive psychological factor to it. Uh, yeah, definitely. You don't see many retired athletes of any kind of sport that maintain very good fitness and health. They all let it go. A lot of them let go. They it's the end of their career and then they enjoy their life, the life that they miss. They eat a lot, they drink a lot, they rest a lot. They all put on weight. They all become probably unhealthy to a degree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I see that a lot of friends in the military um, that are now out of the military that have just piled on pounds because in the army you're essentially forced to to exercise. And that is, that is, I suppose, partly what an athlete goes through. Like, this is your job now. If you don't do it, you're, you're not going to get paid. If you don't win, you're not going to get paid. And especially if, like, if you're a footballer, you've all, we've all got the, all heard of, like, the uh, image of the, the, in quote marks, the dumb footballer that <laughs> when they, that gets an injury and then is, like, screwed for the rest of their life because they, they haven't made enough money and they haven't got an education so they can't get a decent job. Um, that's why it's so high risk. Um, but <clears throat> we've got to add in some avatars. So f for those that can have been listening to this point can understand what a uh, a program, like a daily, uh, a, a day of programming for a performance athlete and a day of programming for a health athlete or health client. I don't want to call them athletes because they're not athletes at that point. Um, who wants to take the performance one? Um, well, what, what if we do the health, a health one, and then how that would differ if that was progressed to a performance athlete? Like, so it could be similar type program, but just like how it would differ in complexity and intensity. Makes sense. Who wants to take the health one? I'll take the health um, one. Yeah. Oh, go on, Will. Cool. Um, so, are we having an avatar that's got an age and a. Yeah, let's give them an age. Let's say they're 26, they're a female, like uh, around, I suppose, the 15, give or take, percent body fat, um, uh, moderate level of muscle mass. They're just like, they're what you call like if you would look at them, but yeah, they're pretty healthy. They're in a good state. Okay. No, no pre-existing injuries or diseases or anything like that. Okay, um, so make it pretty random, I guess. Um, so they go in, they do some. Overall, it's going to be higher volume, slightly lower intensity, obviously. Um, we'll get them in their gym. They can do some dumbbell split squats. Um, so nice and simple, lower body push. Compare that with an upper body pull. I know they could do a seated cable horizontal row. Um, and then we'll finish with a little bit of midline. Let's go straight arm plank. So we've got lower body push, upper body pull, and some uh, midline bracing activity. 
and then they go and spend the next 20 minutes after they've done that let's go back a bit let's make it a little bit more exact I'm going to go for four sets of this lower body push upper body pull midline eight to twelve reps on each two seconds down one second up nice steady tempo four rounds once they've done those four rounds they're going to move on to going outside for a 20 minute walk at a brisk pace so their heart rate becomes elevated but not to the point that they can't sustain that pace for another 20 minutes after. What would they, uh, what would then that look like if that was a performance client? So the, the, the strength piece, actually I think it's, it's important to say how like polar opposite those for the health client, they, that those uh, modalities are. So they're doing strength, which is a relatively high power output to the conditioning piece, which is, a longer time frame but it's consistent and it's sustainable and it's a again a very low power output so they're very opposite ends of the scales in terms of i suppose the power spectrum and the output spectrum um yeah so how would that look for a health client there's no middle zone in there how would that look for a performance client sorry uh, go on stefan uh, so you'd probably be looking at splitting your your limbs so you probably split like uh, lower body on one day upper body on another day so you can get true exposure to those body parts because you need greater volume for specific parts um in order to get that adaptation as we were talking about before so and the intensity will be a lot higher so the rep scheme will be a little bit lower and the complexity of the movement will be a bit more so let's say we'll be doing your, your A piece will be a back squat at 85% of your of your max. And you're going to do uh, four sets of three on that with uh, a two-minute rest or three-minute rest in between each, each set. And you're going to progress that into uh, a B piece, which is a separate strength piece. So you've got that time to recover in between. You're going to do a deadlift again, uh, four sets at 85%, three reps. And then we're going to have a superset. um, And now we're going to target unilateral movement. So uh, we'll do a split squat. So it's going to be loaded goblet split squat, front foot elevated, uh, three sets of eight reps per leg. And that superset with uh, uh, single leg hip thrusts with, a barbell three sets of eight um, and then we've got some core and midline bracing work so potentially some uh, some hollow body holds uh, some loaded dead bugs something like that um, with quite a high volume still because the core you use your core every day so that still requires a high amount of volume high amount of exposure so that could be three sets of a superset of say a 30 second hollow body hold followed by 12 reps, 6 reps per side, dead bug holding a 16 kilo kettlebell overhead. Yep, I like it. I've just written down here, just while you kind of mentioned it, you, turned, you talked about splits. You might have an AM and PM session for a performance yep. client, so they're training twice a day. So you, when, when you're doing the conditioning piece, a lot of time it's going to be the middle zone, uh, that middle zone of uh, the energy system, the anaerobic stuff. 
which is the pain type stuff that we talked about with the rowing lot. They're doing the middle zone stuff. Um, and that will generally conflict with their strength training if they're done too close together. Um, so you might split that up by a couple of hours. They might eat and sleep in between. Again, this is where the lifestyle has to support it. So they, can't, they don't go to, back to their day job right, and then train again. They go and sleep. Their sleeping and nutrition is their day job as such. Um, but generally, I suppose it's higher intensity, lower volume at a higher percentage of their maximums um, and with increased complexity. Supposed to sum up what Stefan said for the resistance stuff, and then for the conditioning, it's more middle zone progression. Um, so depending on the, the the season, whereas the health is full body resistance and low intensity steady state work forever. <laughs> there's, there's there's no real undulation or phases of training. Um, to be like not really for health. Whereas for uh, the performance, there are phases of training and periodization and stuff in there. Um, so yeah, if you are in there and you're looking for health, but your program is uh, it's just correlated more towards the performance, then maybe you need to contact us, get a coach that can assess you and help you align your goals. Because um, if your goal is health and your training performance, then you're moving away from health potentially. And if your goal is performance and you're training health, you're not reaching your max potential. So um, you're gonna have unfulfillment and confusion and frustration in there and that you're not getting what you want out of it. So get a coach, um, have this conversation with my mother. Fitness, if you know what you're doing, is super simple. And exercise in general and exercise physiology, if you know what you're doing, is super simple not complex if you don't know what you're doing then it can get very very tough so just like you would with a dentist when you you got a toothache you go to the dentist right if your body isn't working and it's not you're not getting what you want out of it get a coach it's uh stop fannying about and wasting your time because you can't get that back and uh, spend a little bit money more money in the short term in the long term you'll be better off so yeah, and to do that, contact us at info.base.training or if you like what one of us has said, then uh, contact us with our name, so either Will, Lee or Stefan, at base.training and it'll go straight to them and they will get back to you with a time and date and you can have a chat and see if it's right for you. Any other points, guys? No, sir. No. Awesome. So until next time. Peace out. Eight was it eight? Peace up, eight, eight down down. down. <laughs> Usher. Usher. <laughs> See you later.